Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board, Intervention, Crystal Spring, Johnsonville Foods, High Pork Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com, brought to you by American Resources. I'm Matthew Rota, your host, and we are joined today by Ross Bernstein. How are you doing today, Ross? Doing great, Matthew. How are you? I'm great. Tore my pectoral muscle wakeboarding last week, though, so I have to get surgery next week. <laughs> that's that's why I stopped water skiing, man. You, <laughs> your body has written those muscles off once you get north of thirty, which, by the looks of you, I'm not sure you are. Nah, right, right at the right at the cliff there. So, other than that, <laughs> life's great. Excited to talk with you today about your story, your experiences at NPIC, and what you've learned about the swine industry. And then sharing just a few tidbits on leadership that you think people can take back uh, after they listen to this. So if you wouldn't mind starting just by introducing yourself and a little bit about your background, which is pretty interesting, that'd be awesome. <laughs> sure. So I, uh, I live in Minnesota. I've, I've, uh, my backstory is I was a walk-on to play hockey at the University of Minnesota. Now, I, I grew up in, right on the Iowa border, right, right in a little town called Fairmont in southern Minnesota. It's uh, Martin County, which is the largest pork-producing county in Minnesota and the top five in the country, believe it or not. I learned that. And um, we would, you know, growing up, we watched, we'd watch Iowa wrestling, the duels on, you know, Iowa, Iowa State and all the powerhouse wrestling programs were in Southern Minnesota because all the farm kids were wrestlers. You know, you could be a 98 pounder and be the MVP of the team, but you couldn't play football or basketball. So wrestling was huge and that was hugely influenced from, from coming up from Iowa. Anyways, I walked on to play hockey. I lasted about five minutes. I got cut and I wanted becoming the team mascot, Goldie the Gopher arch nemesis of Herky the Hawkeye and Bucky the Badger. And uh, that kind of, I got in a lot of trouble as a uh, mischievous mascot and I wound up, uh, a publisher wanted to write a book about it. Um, I, it kind of spawned the idea for me and I convinced my parents somehow to let me leverage my graduate school money. Uh, instead of going to an Ivy League graduate school like my brothers had done, I, I wanted to write and publish a book about go for hockey. So they they were convinced it was going to be a massive failure, but I did it. It wound up becoming a bestseller and I parlay that into a career. I've written about 50 sports books. And for the last 20 years, I've been a um, uh, a, you know, working member of the media, but a, uh, a full-time keynote speaker. So I keynote about 120 conferences a year globally. Uh, I've spoken on all seven continents and uh, I just love it. So every week I've got a different, you know, couple different audiences or different people. And you and I got to uh, connect recently at the NPIC in the Wisconsin Dells. So that was awesome. And full circle, here I am today with you. <laughs> so of all the books you've written, which one do you hold closest? Like which one is... Which one's your favorite that uh, means the most to you? 
You know, I, I've, I, I'm probably the biggest fan of, of hockey and football books, but I would say the, the one that's the, the, that's the most unique is a book I wrote called The Code. It was a series of books called The Code about the unwritten, unspoken rules in sports. And the hockey code specifically was about fighting. And it's not about fighting in hockey. It's about what happens if you cheat. It's what happens if you take shortcuts or disrespect someone or, or don't play the game the right way. And there's an honor code in sports that the players live by, and, and the games are self-policing. So if you cheat or do something nefarious in sports, there's a reason that you don't, you're not allowed to wear a face mask in hockey because it forces you to be accountable. And if you do something dirty, you're going to get punched in the face. And when, if you know that when you get punched in the mouth and you lose a few teeth, <laughs> spitting chiclets as we call it, you're going to learn a very valuable lesson about about playing the game the right way. So I apply that that concept to business and about how they can win the right way. But uh, that book, The Hockey Code specifically, was pretty cool. It got turned into several uh, documentaries and, and also a feature film with an Academy Award-winning director, which was really cool. Um, probably my favorite book was a book called America's Coach, and that's about the inspirational legacy of Herb Brooks, the coach of the fabled 1980 U.S. Olympic Miracle on Ice hockey team that won a gold medal uh, in, in the Olympics. And uh, Herb was a dear friend. He was a mentor of mine. So I, I, I was actually with him golfing the day he was killed in a car accident. So I helped to create the Herb Brooks Foundation with his family. And now we've helped to raise millions of dollars to help kids play sports, which is very on brand for, for what I do. So that book is really near and dear to me. And uh, philanthropy is a real big part of my business. Something I talk about a lot about how great companies uh, and just how great champions just give and serve. So those would probably be my two favorites. That's awesome. So when you think about NPIC and the trip you took up there and what you learned about the swine industry, and you were even invited by pork producers who are your neighbors, uh, what did you learn? What did you talk about? And what was the takeaway that you were hoping people would have? Well, I, I, did, I had a great time. Uh, it was it was really fun, and I, I feel like those are my people. Like you know, I, it's funny. I grew up in this little town, Fairmont, and and right, you know, it's like a suburb of Algona, Iowa. So you know, we go to Okaboji, and if you're from Iowa, it was right along there. But clearly, you know, rural Americana. But but I was a city kid, so you know, my family we owned furniture stores throughout southern Minnesota. Um, and I was always delivering trucks into Iowa and Wisconsin and South Dakota. And I grew up, my great grandpa started these stores back in the, in the 30s. So that was always my deal. So to my, my, my buddies in Fairmont, I was like the city kid. But then I went to school at the University of Minnesota, where I was this hayseed from Fairmont. So, so, <laughs> so I was always struggling to find my identity. But, you know, our business you know, we went as the farmers went, right? I mean, I work a lot in the agribusiness space now with a lot of big companies from from John Deere to Farm Credit Services of America and all the, you know, just everyone in between. But, you know, we didn't eat unless the farmers ate. So when the farmers had money, they were buying, you know, new combines and, and furniture. I mean, no one needs furniture. Furniture is a luxury. You can get by with a a crate and an ironing board, you know, you, you people, yep. so it was only something that people would purchase if they had extra discretionary income. So we kind of lived and lived and died with the, with the farmers. So if the, if there was a flood, if there was a drought, if there was, um, something going on in the economy, we, we definitely felt it. So I, I was definitely very much tied into that whole, you know, just agricultural world and, and, uh, um, have so much respect for people that farm and especially people that, that have, that have livestock and swine. And, and, uh, I just keynoted the national dairy, uh, uh, 
heifer association or not dairy uh heifer and um anyways it was <laughs> so i became an expert i become experts in in all of these topics for like you know a day so it's it's always fun for me to become uh um you know, just to learn it so much about all these different groups. In fact, two days ago, I was in St. Louis keynoting uh, Prairie Farm Prairie Farms Dairies Annual Conference. This is a you know almost a five billion dollar company that that makes you know dairy products. So I wind up working in all aspects of the industry now, and it's really fun because I'm not an expert, but I just get to you know meet so many interesting people, and I just feel like I have so many great connections because so many are have that same tie of growing up in rural Americana. What stood out to you the most? From what you've learned with dairy, heifers, pork, when it comes to agriculture and pig production, what things stood out to you that really surprised you? Well, I, I just I think it's the people that 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 get into this line of business. You know, it's interesting. I, I'll, I'll I'll make a long answer to your question, but I wrote I wrote this series of coffee table books years ago about Minnesota sports history, and one of them was on wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Grappling Glory, wrestling and wrestling. I had to include all the uh, professional wrestlers, right? All, Vern Gagne wrote one of the forwards, and 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 it was really fun, but. What I learned, interestingly, because invariably I know you're from Iowa, and there was there was you know I you know wrestling is to Iowa what hockey is to Minnesota, what basketball is to Indiana, what football is to Texas, what rugby is to New Zealand. I mean, it's 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 your thing. But I, I learned that doing this book that that there was that so many wrestlers were farm kids, and specifically dairy farm kids, kids who had animals, chickens, you know, didn't, didn't matter what, but basically kids that were up at five in the morning, every morning doing chores, because as you know, pigs, cows, chickens don't take days off. So, and then I learned that a disproportionate number of special forces officers in the military were also dairy farm kids or just you know, farm kids who had animals because they, they were so tough. They had lots of older brothers who'd beat the crap out of them. They were physically strong hands from milking cows and baling hay and, 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 you know, throwing swine around to each other. And, and it just, it, it was fascinating to learn about the work ethic. And even now I work with some companies who will only hire dairy farm kids because they're just so disciplined that it's so hard to hire and keep young people today in, in business. So companies are learning to recruit for the characteristics you want. Like I do work with Ritz Carlton hotels and they hire people with amazing smiles. They said, we can teach you how to make a drink, how to check someone in, how to uh, make a bed, but we can't teach an amazing smile. So a lot of people are just recruiting work ethic. So I just think first and foremost, anyone that gets into this industry or, or, and chooses to stay in this industry has an unbelievable work ethic. You know, farmers, they don't die. They just sort of find them underneath the combine at some point when they're 95 years old, right? They just, they just go forever. And that's just, it's just ingrained in, in, in culturally, I think. So I just think it's just great being around people that are so salt of the earth, so kind and generous and helping just truly the mantra of a good neighbor, you know, and, and they're just so hardworking. So I, I just think first and foremost, that's where when I think of anyone in, in that industry, I just think of just really good, hardworking people. So what were a couple of the topics that you presented on? You had kind of two keynote sessions at NPIC. Can you talk a little bit about those and what your key messages and takeaways were? Yeah, my opening keynote was my 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 main bread and butter program. It's called The Champion's Code, building relationships through life lessons of integrity and accountability from the sports world to the business world. A long, long title, but The Champion's Code really 
it's based on these two best-selling series of books I wrote. One was a series called um, Raising. So Raising Lombardi, Raising Stanley. is about what it took to raise the championship trophy. So in football, when you win the Super Bowl, you get to hoist the Lombardi trophy. So I wound up interviewing like a thousand professional athletes in, in all the major sports. And I could only ask them why. Why did the 1985 Bears win it all? Why did the 1991 Twins win it all? And I was looking for the trends, the metrics, the patterns, the analytics that were that were common among those teams, like Jim Collins did in his iconic book, Good to Great. And that was really interesting about why. What adversity did they go through? What was unique about the coaches? Um, and then I wrote this series of books that I explained earlier about, called The Code, about these unwritten, unspoken rules. So the baseball code has a picture of, iconic picture of Nolan Ryan, that famous pitcher given Robin Ventura the business from the Chicago White Sox. And it was about about why players get beamed in baseball. And, it, and again, it's the same reasons. It's about if you cheat, if you pimp a home run, if you steal signs, if you do something dirty, you're going to get drilled. You're going to get it. And every sport has codes. Every, every sport, people try and cheat. I mean, it could be NASCAR, right? You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. It could be, uh, you know, steroids or performance dancing drugs. But basically, every sport, people are going to try to find some sort of advantage. We call it gamesmanship. If, if you can get away with the flop in basketball or the dive in soccer, uh, or otherwise, it's just flat out cheating. So the champion's code is about winning with integrity, and I apply that to business. So I talk Talk about great people, their DNA, what makes them unique. And then I talk about great companies that I've worked with, like Prairie Farms Dairy or Compeer Financial Services, these agricultural businesses. And I, and I kind of relate it all back to business. The second program I did, the breakout program, or I, closing keynote rather, was a, a program called Wearing the Sea. And that was a book I wrote, uh, a bestseller several years ago, where I'd interviewed about 500 captains. And it's all about different styles of leadership. And really just to talk about there's no one right way. You know, it's the old mantra. People don't quit jobs. They quit bosses. So I give all these different ways that different captains and leaders wound up leading. So those were the two things I, I, I talked about and focused on and try to tie them back to agribusiness and in the swine industry, dealing with all the challenges, everything from labor and union issues and immigration issues and, 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 and just finding people to... Um, Dealing with supply chain and product shortages, as well as, you know, different, you know, swine flu and hoof and mouth and different things happening on the farm and commodity prices as a result of the war in Ukraine. So there's lots and lots of challenges going on in 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 your world. Um, so I just try to, to equate them back to sports and give analogies that people can relate to and just help them to think differently about hiring people, about growing their business, maybe taking a risk, taking that line of credit and, and, and hiring some new people or getting into precision ag where they're going to, Hey, let's bring out some drones. Let's do some, you know, get some autonomous vehicles or figure out how we can maybe do some different crop rotations, get some barley or whatever for, for you young guys drinking all that craft beer. So it's just a never ending changing thing. And I think that's so important. You can't just sit back and go, well, we've always done things this way. This is how we've done it for five generations in our farm. I mean, I'm sorry, but those days are over. You know, I was with Prairie Farms Dairy this week and it's, that was my fourth time working with their organization. And this was, this group was all their operations managers. They've got 50 plants, a um, hundred distribution facilities, an entire trucking fleet. They've got close to 10,000 employees or six to 800 family farms. They specifically work with their huge farms. 
industry consolidations going on, all kinds of challenges. And look, the reality is milk, milk's down. You know, these protein-based products, whether it's, you know, uh, meatless meat or nut juices and almond milks, and, you know, all these things are happening in your world. And the reality is, is that the Gen Z millennial crowd likes this stuff. So you can argue and whine about it all you want, but it's happening. So gone are the days of us sitting in front of the, in the kitchen table, you know, you know, eating Cheerios, reading the back of the box and just sitting there. Now it's people are people are consuming food differently. Yeah. So you have to change. You've got to think about it differently. And and uh, you, otherwise, you're just going to be a dinosaur. So I, I talk about these things. I talk about companies that are that are changing. They're adapting. They're dealing with this stuff. Yeah. So you talk about change. And I feel like what I've noticed and I'm curious what your thoughts are, is that when a person or a system, let's say maybe a farm, they experience close to perfection, right? They found something, they nailed it in, they're, they're achieving. It's almost as if ch- changing and adapting to where they almost need to go is hardest for those who have achieved that kind of success. It's almost like I found what works and that it feels like the pain of change is almost harder if they aren't, weren't already adaptable or, or a change-driven person. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's really hard. I mean, that's, you know, in my program, I talk about Tom Brady, the legendary quarterback for the New England Patriots and later with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, here's a guy who, who, and I don't think he's retired. I mean, he hasn't officially retired, retired. Cause I think this, you know, week one, week two of the season, some quarterback will go down and I think he'll come back. I, that's my personal opinion. Really? I've never met a more competitive human being. That guy hates losing more than he loves winning. But there's a guy who's just changed and adapted. Unbelievable. I talk about how this guy has, you know, nine coaches. Just, you know, when people tell the great ones they've arrived, they work even harder. You know, there were no days off for guys like Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky. The great ones, they just go and they're always adapting. I mean, Tom Brady had a neurologist on his staff to help him better understand the science of peripheral vision and reflexes. He had a mental health coach to stay centered. He has a uh, Pilates reformer coach, a cupping coach. Um, He's got a video coach that does nothing but help him analyze video and predictive analytics and artificial intelligence and chat GPT now, I'm sure, and all these things just on his iPad so that he can better study what the comp... I mean, the guy's literally playing next to kids less than half his age. And how he's able to stay upright at the age of 46 when it's like surviving the equivalent of a dozen head-on car collisions every week, it's, it's nothing short of remarkable. So I look at people like this and what they're willing to do. Guy spends about a million bucks a year on private coaching. You know, every you know, dietitians, nutritionists, people that manage every one of his his supplements. I'll be. He's got people that manage inflammation, cryotherapies. He has a sleep coach to get better sleep. No refined sugar. No refined flour. There's a reason the great ones are great and they stay great. It's because people and people tell them you're great every day, but they don't believe it. The people that believe it and, and drink their own Kool-Aid, they're, they're, it's, it's not going to last. It's fleeting. I mean, it's, it's yeah. about change. It's about adapting. I mean, it's about saying, great, you, you know, you've got a window, you've done it, it's great. But, but the reality is if you want to keep your family farm going for that next generation, you've got to make it so that it's sustainable in the future. And things are changing. I mean, we're going to have to keep feeding the world. We're at 8 billion. It's, there's more humans being born more than ever, but Look what's happening in the oceans with algae and with other protein-based things. I mean, it's just 
you know, I, I don't know how long the world is going to be able to say, yeah, we're just going to keep raising animals for slaughter. There's not enough room to grow all the corn and all the, the byproduct to feed them and house them and all the pesticides and the and the and the uh, antibiotics. I mean, it's just becoming these things are the way we've always done them. I'm not arguing that. Yeah, of course, it's we, we love these things. And this is, you know, this is what we do. This industry, I'm so grateful for this industry. But I'm also saying we can't have hubris and say we can't change. I mean, that's just the reality that because you have to look at what your future customers are interested in. And the reality is, is that the Gen Z millennial audience today is starting to be interested in different things. Yes, yeah. we're always going to have, we're going to have bacon and pork and we're going to have, you know, ham sandwiches. I get it, but there are going to be other things too. So that's going to take a chunk out of this industry. And unless, if people want to sit back and say, well, we've always done things that way, that's fine. But there's other industries that are coming that are going to take a bite out of it. That's just the reality of how business works. For sure. So when you had that first talk at NPIC and you're talking about what makes great people or great companies, what were some of the things that you brought up around what makes great people? You know, there's there's so many different characteristics. I love talking about, you know, certain parts of you know the DNA. You know, yeah. my first slide out of the gate is Kirby Puckett with my beloved Minnesota Twins, and I talk about passion. Let's talk about how that guy just freaking loved his job. You know, he 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 would just, you know, he, he just loved it, you know, and it's like, you don't have to love your job, but there's parts of it you got to love or, or you're just going to work every day and it's a grind. And for a lot of people, that's reality. And I, I get it. You got to pay the bills, but like, it's not fun to have to do that. So I try and equate finding pieces, not everything, but pieces of what you love and really focusing on that. Like I, I keynote 120 conferences a year. I'm, I'm on the road, you know, 200 and some days a year, but luckily I created a lifestyle business where my wife comes with me. So we travel together. I have a theory. If you're alone, you're on the road. If you're with your spouse, you're traveling. Yeah. So we go all over the world. You know, we're, we were just in St. Louis. It was great. We, we saw friends, went out to dinner, had this amazing place, uh, this amazing barbecue uh, restaurant in, in St. Louis the other day where we had the greatest uh, burnt ends um, food. It was called Sugar Fire. If you've ever been to St. Louis, you know oh. about this place downtown. It was so good. And we had the, we just had this amazing uh, um you know, pulled pork and it was just, it was incredible. And then, you know, I spoke and then my client, they've got a suite at the Cardinals games and they were playing the twins, which was awesome. So we got to go to the game. So like, we just, you know, it's, it's about focusing on the silver linings, all the good stuff. Right. So, you know, I've got an event coming up in a few weeks in Turkey. We're, we're going to be in Istanbul and then we're going to spend a week on the Turkish coast uh, on an Island. So we just, you know, we, so I focus on these things and I try and make, and just to try to enjoy the ride. Um, we bring our daughter with us all over the world. And, and again, it's, I, I'm passionate about speaking. I'm passionate about helping people. So I focus on the good stuff. So for Kirby Puckett, I talk about passion. Um, for Wayne Gretzky, I would talk about being generous. I talked about, you know, I've gotten to know Wayne. He, he was my, I had a full-blown man crush on this guy as a kid. I was a, such a hockey fan and I've gotten to know him over the years. And, and I talk about how he was the all-time leader in goals and he was the all-time leader in assists, but he had twice as many assists than goals. And when I asked him, he said, very, very, just very simply, you know, a goal made one guy happy, but an assist made two guys happy. And I focus on that. Like, what are great assists? 
you know, things like referrals, you know, things like just being a good neighbor and helping people, you know, being generous. What does that mean? Not monetizing it where it's greasy, but just, but just really generously, authentically helping people. What, what is a great assist look like mentoring someone? Um, you know, I, I, I do a lot of work with, with the farm credit services family of, 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 of financial services, you know, lending. And they talk about how it's amazing. I I work with these guys and one of the groups I worked with 90% of their financial advisors farmed and ranched, meaning they go to work all day and then they go home and they go to work all day. And, but when they talk about hoof and mouth and when they talk about land prices and they talk about, you know, all these things going on, immigration issues, they get it. Like they live it. So They've got these, you know, and I, it's funny, I was just on a roadshow with Prudential and I was telling this story about farm credit services people and they were blown away. I talk about how they have this thing where they walk them. They'll, they'll, they'll you know, a new guy will come in as an advisor and then some of the old guys will take him and they'll say, hey, let, let's go, let's go talk to one of your, one of your clients. Maybe it's your uncle. Let, let's go. And they'll go down there and they'll bang in the door and they'll grab a shoebox full of receipts that they call an accounting system. And they'll say, here, let us do that. You focus on farming and then we're going to bring out some drones and we're going to bring out and we're going to do some crop rotation. We're going to give you a line of credit to buy some new machinery and we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, and they're like, wow, thank you. This is going to be amazing. And then they go, great. Who else you know around here? And they walk them and they walk down the road, the, the gravel road and they go to their, there's my other uncle and my grandpa and my brother. And, and that's how they get new business by serving and having skin in the game and just like being good humans. And they, they just do this and it's pretty fascinating. So I just love studying how outlier companies continue to grow. And these companies are, you know, a hundred, 150 years old and how they just keep doing it. So I'm not an expert in, in, in precision ag or agribusiness, but like, I just work with these cool companies and I get, get a chance to kind of figure out what, you know, what their DNA is, what makes the great ones great. And then how that would apply to some other business. And that, that these, those unintended consequences, I think are fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. What about when you look at companies and what are, what are some companies that you've noticed doing that makes them different, makes them special. And in addition to what you've just talked about, that's out of passion. Yeah, I, I think that it's you know there's so many businesses just doing things differently today. There there are um, I, I love studying just w- why they're great. You know whether it's hiring people consistently, whether it's being able if they're an association like NPSC, whether they're able to put on a great show consistently. I mean. You look at even just NPIC, what they do. I mean, they they made it at the Wisconsin Dells, which is like Middle Earth. It's yeah. convenient for everyone, right? And 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 it's indoor water parks. Now you, now you can bring the family. It's hard to get farmers to you know spend money on a vacation to get away from the farm. These people work like hundred hour work weeks typically. They're you know so to make it where, and then to, you know to really invest in bringing in great speakers and breakout speakers and great content to make it value, right? Like I talked to a lot of farm families and, you know, it was, it was worth it for them to, uh, to come there and to, um, you know, to just to just to be a part of that, to be away from home, and you know, for me, I got to see the the Hugesons, uh, which is pretty yeah. cool. My next door neighbors in Fairmont and the Toothacres, um, they own a huge business, one of the biggest pork 
producers in Martin County and where, where we grew up. And, um, you know, it was just, just, to, just to ask them, why do, why do you come? And like, Oh, we don't, we don't miss it. This is so we get to see all of our friends and see our, our, uh, and our kids, you know, they all grew up with each other. And, and I just, so for, for the conference itself, they, they've got a great team that says, we want to make this great. We want to make it so that everyone wants to come here and be here and there's value. And so I love that. And then just all the other companies that are there, I wind up working a lot of work with companies like Zinpro and a lot of these, you know, equine bovine, um, you know, veterinary companies that make different uh, products and, and uh, um, vaccines and whatever. So I, I get to work with, I, I, you know, I, I'm at these conferences and then I wind up becoming an expert and, you know, you name it. I've been at, you know, I've, been stuff, at yeah. I've been at fertilizer <laughs> conferences. I, I, I can tell you all about like a salt licks. I know, I know all this crazy stuff and it's just been fascinating. So I just think they, you know, great companies solve problems, right? And they, they hire good people that they can keep and they solve problems. That's what value is. They, they're problem solvers, right? Because if you're just about the money, Walmart will kick your butt every yeah. day of the week. If you're just an order taker, you don't stand a chance. You, you have to be like the, truly the trusted advisor. And you know, if you're a good person and people want to do business with you and they like you, those are those soft skills that I kind of help teach that that's going to be the differentiator for you. It's, if it comes down to price, I'd rather work with Matthew because he's a good guy, right? Yep. And, and, uh, so it's stuff like that, I think. So what is the craziest event you had to speak at? I've been in a lot of crazy events, but, uh, you know, I think the most fun was I got to speak in Antarctica and that was really cool. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I had, a, I had some events in South America and was it like a penguin convention or what was going on? Well, I tell you, I spent a day on, on Ernest Shackleton's Island, which was, uh, which was an experience because uh, that the, uh, I will tell you, there's a million islands on this tiny little, a million penguins on this tiny little island that you can, you know, you can walk around the whole island and just like, you know, it's tiny and, and uh, it stunk so bad that I can, I can, I'm having like, I have like flashbacks to penguin poop. It was it was, it was pretty, uh, it, it was, it was pretty crazy. So anyways, that was, uh, that was probably the craziest one, but I, you know, every week I have a different group and a different audience and, uh, um, you know, it just keeps me humble. I, you know, I, whether I'm with the Vermont association of rubber dog vomit manufacturers, or I'm with someone that makes, you know, urinal cakes or toilet snakes, man, I, there's, there's conferences for everything. And, and, yeah. uh, they all want to have a great speaker. They all want to have someone that's going to help them think differently. That's going to entertain them and, uh, hopefully make them laugh and make them cry and, and bring them on a broad range of emotions. There's a saying in our business, do, do you have to be funny to be a professional speaker? And the answer is only if you want to get paid. So yeah. you've got to, you got to be an entertainer, right? And so, so that's what you try and do is you have a message that's, that's delivered in a fun way. So if you had a golden nugget before we sign off that you could share with listeners, uh, life lesson, what would that be? Oh man, that's a, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I'll go back. I, I got to work with the Detroit Red Wings not too long ago, and I got to work with Scotty Bowman, um, the winningest coach in the history of the National Hockey League. 14 Stanley Cup rings this wow. guy's got. He even named his freaking kid Stanley. That's how, that's how much this guy loves hockey. And Stanley had this saying, a goal without a plan, it's just a wish. 
And I think that's, that's what you got to think about. You know, you come to these conferences, you got all these notes and you're excited, but it's like, what's the plan? Like you, you got a goal. Okay. You want to grow your business. Okay. You want to hit a number. You want to reach, you know, 10 X, five X, whatever that number is, what's your plan. And that's where I think the implementation is where you, you know, can I hire a coach, a consultant, someone to help me to get there? Don't be afraid to ask and invest, right? I mean, you're not going to get there alone. So I think to be able to have a plan and then to have someone hold you accountable to create a group. I mean, I saw there were some mastermind groups that got gotten together, you know, farmers and different, different areas, even different, different things that they did, whether they, some had, you know, lots of uh, soybeans or, or corn and others were doing, you know, the, the, you know, the NPIC draws lots of people from lots of different industries that serve the swine industry. So um, just to have a, a mastermind group with other four or five, six people that you can get together once a month on a Zoom call or get together for beers and just to talk. Hey, how's your business? How can I help you? You, you talked last month about having this goal. Where are you at? You know, you're not, you know, you're not there. Well, how do we help you? It's an accountability group. So I think don't be afraid to reach out and ask and, and to, uh, to grow your business organically through, through the help of others. Because anyone in your business is, is going to be a good human. They're going to want to help you. Well, thank you, Ross, for being a guest on the Popular Pig Podcast. It's been a real pleasure, and I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, thank you, Matthew. And I will just show you that your, your, your listeners can't see, but on the bottom of my shelf in my office, we're doing a Zoom call. We can see each other. I have a replica of Floyd of Rosedale. See it. The coveted pig that you Iowegians have hijacked and held hostage for like a freaking decade. So on behalf of all the Gopher fans here suffering, Matthew, we'd like our pig back, okay? That's all I'm going to say. Not getting it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we can all hate the Badgers. Let's just find some common ground, okay? Yeah, there we go. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.